Hello, welcome to the podcast of Chesbro Baptist Church. This morning's message is about one of my favorite Bible characters, and uh, the Bible character is Caleb. We actually named our son Caleb after Caleb in the Bible, and so can't wait to get to the message. The title of the message this morning is The Spirit of a Mad Dog. Please enjoy. Numbers chapter 14. One last time, I'm going to ask you to stand respect and reverence to the Word of God. We're only going to read one verse. Numbers chapter 14 and verse number 24. But my spirit, Caleb, because he had, has had a different spirit, has followed me fully. I will bring him into the land. Pile message this morning is the spirit of a mad dog. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for everything that you've done for us. And dear Lord, I do pray that you'd bless the message this morning. Bless the teaching of the Word of God. Bless our people. Be with us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Growing up, I've had many dogs growing up, and I could think of several, several dogs, but probably... The first dog, when I'm thinking back on dogs, the first dog I had that really come out in my mind was actually my sister's dog. His name was Bear. And Bear was this little black and tan mutt, and mutts make the best dogs. They really do. They just make the best dogs. And I can remember my first memory of having a dog (coughs) was Bear. And I remember my sister used to say that Anytime she called Bear, wherever he was, Bear would come. Uh, Back in the day, my dad's property, my grandfather's property, and my uncle's property was all connected through the woods. And Grandpa used to say he'd be on his back porch, and he'd hear my sister at my dad's house say, Bear! Bear! And then he could hear, Bear would be at my Uncle Pat's house, and she could hear the dog running through the woods, because every time my sister called for that dog, that dog would come every single time. Now, unfortunately, the dog was killed by a neighbor, but um, that's usually how things go. But, you know, the thing is, is that was a fiercely, fiercely loyal and protective dog. Brother Brett, why are you talking about dogs this morning? We'll get to it in just a minute. But we've got this story of Israel here, and Israel is in the land of Egypt because Joseph brought his whole family, all the Israelites down there for, because of the famine. And now Israel has been in Egypt for 400 years. They've been enslaved by Egypt for 400 years. And uh, so now it's time for uh, the children of Israel to be set free. And God comes to Moses and says, Moses, I want you to go to the children of Israel and I want you to set my people free. And Moses goes and he shows the signs and Pharaoh says no. And plague after plague after plague and Pharaoh keeps flip-flopping and changing his mind but ultimately says no. And after the tenth plague where they killed all the firstborn, finally, 
Pharaoh said yes. And so the children of Israel gathered up all their stuff and they started marching to the Red Sea. And as they were going towards the Red Sea, Pharaoh changed his mind once again and sent chariots after the children of Israel to bring them back into the land of Egypt. They get to the Red Sea and the Red Sea parts and they walk across on dry land. And isn't that just an amazing thing is that not only did the water part, but the ground was actually dry. They didn't get any mud on their shoes. The land was actually dry. And as soon as the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea, uh, the, uh, the, the chariots of Pharaoh followed after them, and the Red Sea came together and drowned Pharaoh's men. And even today, they've gone to the narrowest part of the Red Sea. They found the, the land bridge underneath the Red Sea, that, uh, that, uh, that the Israelites walked across, and guess what else they found down there? They found chariots. And isn't it amazing how science always lines up with the Bible? The Bible is always right. And so now they've, 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 went, they've been in the wilderness for a little bit, and they've been to Mount Sinai, and they've had water from a rock, and they've had the manna and the quails, and now it's time to go into the promised land. Before they go into the promised land, uh, 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 Moses says, okay, we need, to, uh, we need to find out what we got going on here. So Moses chooses a leader from every tribe of Israel to, be, to act as a spy to go into the promised land. And that is where we meet a 40-year-old man named Caleb. Now, Caleb is a very interesting man to study in Scripture because Caleb spent his life overcoming insurmountable odds. He followed God through some very, very difficult circumstances. We named our son Caleb after this man in the Bible. Caleb spent his life fighting for the Lord. And when Caleb took up his last battle, he was 85 years old. It just goes to show you that not even old age could deter Caleb from fully following the Lord. You know, Caleb had a few other challenges to overcome. One challenge that Caleb had to overcome is he was a Kinseyite. As a Kinseyite, what that meant is he was a descendant from Esau. So some of his lineage wasn't originally Jewish. His grandparents weren't originally a Jew. So they must, have, they must have joined the Israel community at some point. But to understand that you've got somebody who is not a full Jew, that now he's the leader of the tribe of Judah and chosen to be one of the spies that goes into the promised land, man, that means that, that Caleb once again overcome the odds. He's just an amazing, amazing person. Now, another thing that's interesting about Caleb is Caleb's name. Caleb's name in Hebrew means dog. That's what it means. His, his name means dog. So what probably happened is, is his dad uh, is just, you know, um, his dad had a very bitter sense of humor. His dad was a man named Jephunneh. 
And, and Jeff and I had a son who was born in Goshen, Egypt. And uh, he's thinking to himself, probably, man, what's the use in having a son right now? I mean, Pharaoh's killing all the sons. And, and even, even if Caleb, even if this boy survives that, he's going to live a dog's life as a slave in the land of Egypt. And so Jephna just names his son Dog. But you know what? In the ancient world, dog may have been meant as a negative term because it is a low creature. But there are places in the Bible where being called a dog means loyalty and being called a dog means faithfulness. You know why that is? It's because of Caleb. Caleb changed the meaning of the word. Caleb was such a fiercely loyal and faithful man. Now, his name means dog, but you know what? We've talked about this before, but every southern boy's got a CB handle. We all grew up as teenagers with those fire sticks whipping in the wind and, and got those CBs under the dashboard, and we've all got those CB handles. I've told you mine before was Hitman, because I, I liked wrestling. I was Brett the Hitman heart, so I was Brett the Hitman. And so that was, that was my CB handle. I was the Hitman talking to Space Ghost and all this stuff. And uh, if Caleb had a CB handle, I really think his CB handle would have been Mad Dog. Now I just think about old mad dog Caleb, and, and, and like I said, a dog is just a fiercely loyal, protective. He's standing ready for the beckoning of the master's call. And all through the word of God, old mad dog Caleb is chomping at the bit to do the will of God. All through the Bible, we see that old mad dog Caleb, he's chomping at the bit to do what God tells him to do and to go where God tells him to go. And that's just, that's just Caleb. Old mad dog Caleb. So here we have these, these 12 spies about to go into the, into the promised land. And we all know the song that we learned when we were kids. Ten were bad and two were good. They go into the promised land and they look and, 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 the, and, and, and they look at everything and they bring back a report to the land of Israel. They bring back a report to Moses. But something, the Bible says something interesting in our text verse. It says that Caleb had a different spirit. Different than what? Caleb had a spirit that was different than everybody else's. He had, something was different about him. What I'm here to tell you this morning in Chesbro Baptist Church and the first Sunday of 2021 is we need some Christians today with the mad dog spirit. We need some Christians today with the mad dog spirit. And we don't need the stinking timid spirit of those other spies, the poodle spirit. We don't need that scared of their own shadow, don't have no courage. We need some Christians that are mad dogs today. That when Satan comes to the house of God, that Christian comes out from behind the, from, from behind the house of God like a Rottweiler and chases old smutty face Satan down the road. We need some mad dog Christians today. So we're going to look at these two different spirits this morning. We're going to look, the first spirit is the bad spirit of the ten spies. And the different spirit we're going to call the mad dog spirit. So point number one this morning, a bad spirit will have fear, but the mad dog spirit is going to have faith. Numbers 13 and verse 21 
And so they went up and spied out of the land from the wilderness of Zim, as far as Rehob and Lebohamath. When they had gone up into the Negev, they came to Hebron, where Ashaman, Sheshai, and Talami, and the descendants of Anak were. Hebron was built seven years before Zone in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eskel, and from there they cut off a branch with a single cluster of grapes, and they carried it on a pole between two men with some of the pomegranates and the figs. The place was called the Valley of Eskel because of the cluster which the sons of Israel cut off from there. So, so far, this is what they actually saw. This, they went into the, to the promised land. This is actually what they saw. They saw cities, fortified cities. They saw the fruit was great in the land. And uh, so far, this is normal. You would go into a place and expect there to be cities and expect those cities to try to protect themselves. And man, the fruit was really great and it was really good. And man, it's just what you would have expected. Could you imagine, though, two men having to carry on a pole one cluster of grapes? Man, imagine how great this, 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 the fruit of this land must have been. And so, so far, everything looks normal. It's what you would think a report from another land would be. But then they get back to Moses and they go to give their report to Moses and the rest of Israel. And everything begins to change. Numbers 13 and verse 25. And they when they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they went on and came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregations of the sons of Israel and the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. So they reported to him and said, we came into the land where you sent us. It certainly does flow with milk and honey. This is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And indeed, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country, and the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of Jordan. They come back and they said, oh, Moses, you've got to understand something. You've got to understand that there are cities there and, and the cities have walls and the cities have armies to protect them. And there are giants in the land, Moses. There are giants everywhere. Now, wouldn't you expect this? Do you know what the 10 spies were really expecting? They were really expecting the land to be clear. They were expecting God to do all the work for them because God had done all the work for them up to this point. Man, they were in Egypt and, and, and Moses had the signs and Moses had the plagues and, and Moses parted the Red Sea and they, they get into the wilderness and, and they get water from a rock and they get manna from heaven and quails for heaven. And they just thought God was just going to keep doing all this. They just thought, man, God's just going to keep, like they're going to wake up one day and just walk into Canaan and all the cities are going to be empty. And we're going to be like, oh, everybody, let's move in. There's already a city here. Let's just move in. You know, you know, we're talking about fear right now. You know what they were really afraid of? They were afraid of work. 
who are afraid of work. Let me tell you something, Christian. Living for God does not mean you're not going to have to work at it anymore. That's not what it means. You're not going to wake up one day and suddenly have a walk with God. You're not going to wake up one day and have godly children. You're not going to wake up one day and have a good marriage. You're not going to wake up one day and suddenly have a great prayer life. You're not going to wake up one day and suddenly know everything there is to know that you need to know about the Bible. You're not going to wake up and miraculously all of a sudden one day instantly have victory over that sin that just does, does so easily besets you. It's not going to happen. It takes work, it takes effort, and it takes time. Maybe Christians flee from the house of God because they're so impatient. They don't want to wait. They don't want to work. They say, I can't do this. No, you can't. God's got to do it. And it takes time, it takes effort, and it takes work. You know what, the, really, the real problem with the spies and with the rest of Israel, you know what their real problem is, is they didn't want to grow up. They didn't want to grow up. They wanted to stay children. They wanted to stay in their comfort zone. Man, we like this not having to hunt for our food. We like this not having to plant for our food. We just go out every day and pick up, pick up cinnamon buns from off the ground. That's what, that's, what, that's what we like doing. We like not having to be in wars all the time. We like this GPS pillar of cloud and fire that tells us where to go. Takes all the thinking out of it. Takes all the guesswork out of it. And they didn't want to grow up. And they didn't want to move on. And they didn't want to mature. And it is incalculable the amount of blessings that they missed out on because they, didn't, they were too afraid to grow up. There are Christians in this house right now. There are Christians listening at home on Facebook. You're afraid to grow up. You're afraid to mature. You won't start a family altar because you're afraid of committing to it. Or you don't know where to start. Just read one chapter. Sit down with your family and open the Bible. You know it takes on average 10 minutes to read one, any chapter in the Bible? And you just start, hey, you read a verse, and then you read a verse, and then I'll read a verse until we get done with a chapter. Man, that's, you want to know where to start in your family devotion? That's where you start. That's where you start, families. It takes 10 minutes to read most chapters in the Bible. It's, it's time we grew up. It's time we grew up a little bit. You're afraid to commit to read your Bible every day because maybe you're afraid you won't understand it. You're afraid to be faithful to the house of God because you're afraid to say no to the back of your eyelids. Or maybe you're afraid people will talk about you. Man, I don't know. I want to go up to that church. They'll talk about me. They know about my life. They'll say stuff about me. Afraid to help in the ministry because talking to strangers makes you nervous. I could go on and on and on and on. Every area of the Christian life, let's not be afraid to grow up. Let's stop being afraid to mature.
2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of discipline. God is not the author of fear. Let me tell you something. The Israelites were so fearful. You know what they wanted to do? They wanted to do something absolutely unthinkable. Numbers 14 and verse 1. Then all the congregation raised their voices and cried out, and the people wept that night, and all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the entire congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or even if we had died in the wilderness. So why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt. So they said one to another, let's appoint a leader and return to Egypt. They were so fearful that they wanted to return to Pharaoh. They were so fearful that they wanted to return to slavery. They wanted to return to the old life. You know, Egypt is always a picture of the world, and the Red Sea is a picture of salvation. And man, isn't it true, man, after somebody gets saved, man, they're on fire for God, aren't they? Man, fresh Christians that just received God and just got... And just got saved and just got the Holy Spirit in their life. Man, when they first get saved, they grab their Bible and they come in church and they sit up front. And man, they, they, they love the worship music and they say amen to the preaching. And man, they're just on fire for God. Then after a little while, they kind of find out that, man, living for God isn't all lollipops, unicorns, and rainbows. It's not... I mean, it actually takes work. It takes effort. It takes discipline. Oh, well, that's not what I signed up for. And then they try to go back to the world. Go back to being a slave. Now, I've hit on this in the past couple of weeks, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I do have to hit it again. A true born-again believer cannot return to the world and stay in the world. If you are truly regenerated and you have the Spirit of God inside of you, you're going to try to go back to the world and you're going to be absolutely miserable because the Holy Spirit is going to be calling you back to God. You Look, sin is fun for a season. For a short season, sin is fun, but you will never find happiness in the world. And the grieving Holy Spirit inside of you will long for a return to God. Maybe there's some Christians in here right now. The Christian life is a little hard for you. Maybe you're thinking about giving up. Maybe you're thinking about going back to the old life and going back to the world. Let me tell you something. You are a slave to Christ. You're not a slave to sin anymore. And as a slave to Christ... The world, will ne- the world won't satisfy anybody, but it really won't satisfy a Christian. See, that's what fear does. Fear makes, fear makes you want to give up your freedom. Do you hear that? They want to go back to slavery. Why? Fear makes you want to give up your freedom. What is the 
What does the mad dog spirit of Caleb say? Faith over fear. Caleb says in Numbers 14.9, these are the words of Caleb, only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. Their protection is gone from them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Caleb says absolutely, absolutely nothing can hinder us from possessing the land except for your own rebellion. Let's stop doing something. Let's stop this. Let's stop blaming other people for the state of your Christian life. Stop that. Stop blaming other people for why you don't live for God. It's not the preacher's fault that you don't live for God anymore. It's not. It's not so-and-so's fault that looked down on you or talked about you behind your back. It's not their fault you don't live for God anymore. You know whose fault it is? Look in the mirror. We need to look in the mirror. It is our fault. We aren't the Christians that we're supposed to be because of us. It's our rebellion against the Holy Spirit. It's our rebellion against the Scripture. We're the reason why we're not growing. Caleb said, don't fear them. I love this. That's why I call him a mad dog. Because he'll just, he just eat them all up. He's just like a predator. Old mad dog Caleb says, hey, don't fear them. They are our prey. Old Caleb stands up and he says, I'm not going to be trapped in the land with them. They're going to be trapped in the land with me. And old Caleb stands up and he says, I'll charge hell with a water pistol if God tells me to because I know God can't lose. Old mad dog Caleb. Caleb said their protection is gone from them. Because the Lord is with us. Did you know that Caleb knew something by faith that the inhabitants of Canaan knew for a fact and that the Israelites were blinded to because they were fearful? Here's what Caleb knew by faith. Here's what they knew. You see, the Canaanites were scared to death of Israel. They were scared to death. Israel scared the living daylights. They may have had fortified cities. They may have had giants. But the Israelites scared the Canaanites slap to death. You know how we know that? Because 40 years later, when Israel finally did go into the, in, into the land of Canaan, at their, before their first battle, listen to what Rahab told the spies that came to her. Joshua 2, 9. This is Rahab talking. I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land have despaired because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond Jordan, to Shion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And when we heard these reports, our hearts melted. No courage remained in anyone any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth below. They were scared, slapped to death of the Israelites. Caleb knew this by faith. 
And guess what? It turns out his faith in God was not misplaced. Caleb said, it doesn't matter that they're bigger. It doesn't matter that they're stronger because God is always stronger than they are. You want to have the spirit of the mad dog? Don't let fear control your actions. Don't let fear control you. Your faith is never misplaced. Faith over fear. Don't be afraid to move forward. Don't be afraid to grow. You know what? It's hard to get out of your comfort zone. Trust me, I know. It's hard to get out of your comfort zone. When I was in Bible college, we were required to go knock on doors. Give me my keys. <laughs> we were required to go knock on doors. And I did not like it. I was, did not want to do it. So what I would do is I'd stop. I'd roll my window down. I'd throw my keys across the street. Because I had to go get them. And I would open the door and I would shut the door and I'd walk across the street. And I'd pick my keys up. Well, since I'm here, I might as well knock on this door. Well, since I knocked on that one, I'll knock on the rest of them. And after I did two or three, I would, I would go ahead and knock. But man, sometimes I'd have to throw them keys out the window because it's the only way I was going to force myself to do it. And sometimes it's hard to get outside your comfort zone. Listen to me. Do it anyway. Don't let fear hold you back. Number two, second point this morning, a bad spirit will look at the problem, but a mad dog spirit will look at the potential. Numbers 13, 27. So they reported to him and said, we came into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is the fruit. Nevertheless, remember that word, nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong and the cities are fortified. We'll, we've already read that. We'll stop there. Basically, they were saying, yeah, yeah, milk and honey. Yeah, yeah, lots of grapes. Nevertheless. You know what that nevertheless is saying? They were saying, all that good stuff doesn't matter. The good stuff doesn't matter. Despite all that, and then they focused on the negative. Despite God's promises, the people that live in the land are strong. Despite God's promises, the cities are fortified and very large. Despite God's promises, the descendants of Anak lived there. Those were the giants. Those were a tribe of large men. Despite God's promises, the Amaleks, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Canaanites all dwell there. There are no vacancies. Everything's taken up. You know what a bad spirit will do? A bad spirit will always focus on the negative. Are you a negative person? If you're not a negative person, you do know somebody who is. Let me tell you something. I love my daddy. But my dad is the most negative person on planet Earth. I love him. I love him. But man, he has been so negative 
in the past. And as an adult, I got to the point, I don't know if any of you can relate to this with your parents, I got to the point where I didn't tell him what I was going to do, I tell him what I did, okay? Because um, he can't say much about it after I've done done it. And uh, so I tell him what I did do because, man, my dad, he could find a way to put a negative spin on absolutely anything. But did you know this about negativity? Did you know that the Bible says that negativity is a self-fulfilling prophecy? Negativity is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Prophecy. Proverbs 23, 6 and 7. Do not eat the bread of a selfish person or desire his delicacies. Listen to this. For as he thinks within himself, so he is. He says to you, eat, drink, but his heart is not with you. So listen, you aren't who you think you are. What you think you are. What you think you are. You know, Solomon's talking about the selfish person in verse 6, but that's, that word, the, the word selfish person is the Hebrew word ra. And ra means someone that is evil, disagreeable, or bad. There are other translations that use the word miser. Some people are so negative, they only focus on the problem. And negativity becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. For as he thinks within himself, so is he. Actually, we're told in the scripture to distance ourselves from negative people. 1 Corinthians 15, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Man, I can't take negativity. I can't. Listen, tell me, say something. On Facebook, I've grown really fun of the unfollow button. I'm not going to defriend you, but if you put all, keep putting all that negative stuff on there, unfollow. We're still friends, but I can't see your negativity. Wonderful thing. Wonderful thing. I need to write Mark Zuckerberg a letter about that. But if you ever notice that a negative person can always make things sound worse than they really are. I mean, you stub your toe and it sounds like they got to cut your leg off. I mean, negative people can just make things sound so much worse than they really are. Numbers 13, 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go against the people because they are too strong for us. Uh, so they brought a bad report of the land which they had spied out the son, for the sons of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy is a land that devours its inhabitants. Which sounds like the world's just swallowing people up. And all, all the people we saw were of great stature. We also saw the Nephilim there. The sons of Anak are part of the Nephilim. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so were in their sight. Now, I don't want to get confused with a study with something we said in Revelation. The word Nephilim is a Hebrew word for giant. That's all that is. Nephilim is a Hebrew word for giant. But a here's what a negative spirit does. A negative spirit takes truth and compounds it with lies and exaggeration. You've got to have a little truth in there to make it sound legit. But they take negativity... 
They take truth and they combine it with lies and exaggeration. It was true that from a human perspective, they were stronger than we. But to say we are not able to go up against the people, that was a lie. It was true that they had gone through the land, but to say that the land swallows up its inhabitants was a lie. The statement, each of these statements, all the people we saw were, they were all giants, every single one of them in every city you visited? I don't think so. And then we were like, grasshoppers? Really? These are all terrible exaggerations, plain and simple lies. You know, a negative person may be a negative Nelly, but you know what? That focuses on just, on just the problem. Just focus on the problem. But you know what the mad dog spirit does? It doesn't focus on the problem. It focuses on the potential. Numbers 14.8, this is Caleb's talking again. And they spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Caleb, through Caleb's faith in God, he made the decision to only focus on the good things. He didn't ignore the bad. He didn't ignore the giants. He didn't pretend like they didn't exist. But he just focused on the good stuff. And he exemplified Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, is if there is any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Focus on the good stuff. It's very hard to be ungrateful when you're giving thanks to God. It's difficult to focus on pain when you're overjoyed. And it's easy to be negative. We are negative people. We are, by nature, we're negative people. And it's easy for us to focus on the negative, especially in the middle of a pandemic. Do me a favor. Just do me a favor. Every once in a while, turn the news off. Go get a board game and play with your kids. Turn the news off every once in a while. Put your Facebook feed down and go watch a sappy movie with your wife. She'll appreciate it. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Give politics a break. Because guess what? There's nothing you can do about it anyway. The only thing you can do about it is pray. Pray and then move on with your day. Instead of talking politics, why don't you discuss something in the Bible that's really cool with your friends and family? There's a lot of cool stuff in the Bible. There really is. Brother Brett, you're putting your head in the sand. You're putting your head in the sand. Man, we we, got to know what Mitch McConnell's doing. Really? Can you control him? Can you? Brad, we, we got to know what's going on in Congress. Are you in Congress? I didn't know that. I didn't know we had congressmen and congresswomen in here. Brad, we got to know what's going on with the Georgia Senate races. Do you live in Georgia? Are you a Georgia peach? 
Are you going to vote in that election? I don't think so. Oh, but Brother Brett, the, the, the presidential race was stolen and, and Congress and, and Joe Biden and Democrats. And if you live every second of your life wrapped up in that stuff, you're going to miss it. Is there some bad stuff going on? Yes, but don't focus on it. Don't focus on it. Caleb didn't ignore the giants. He just didn't focus on them. Spend every second of your life wrapped up in stuff you can't do nothing about. Just living a miserable life. What some people say, sticking their head in the sand, I call stopping and smelling the roses. Look, I'm not advocating you cut yourself off fully from current events. I don't watch the news, but I'm not telling you not to. I, just from word of mouth, I get my news and I get caught up on current events. But I'm not telling you to cut yourself off of current events. I'm just saying, don't focus on it. Get your little 10, 20 minute update from the news and then turn it off. Turn on the Andy Griffith show. Turn on Everybody Loves Raymond, you know? Do something like that. But stop focusing on things you can't change. You can pray about it. Well, guess what? Pray about it and move on and watch some Star Trek with me and Brother Mike. You know, just move on. Caleb couldn't change the fact that there were giants in the land. But you know what he could do? He could follow God and he could do the will of God. And he could focus on God and he could focus on his promises. Number three this morning, very quickly. A bad spirit will test God, but a mad dog spirit will trust God. A bad spirit will test God, but a mad dog spirit will trust God. Numbers 14, 21. However, as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Certainly all the people who have seen my glory and my signs, which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet you have put me to test these ten times and have not listened to my voice, shall by no means see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who are disrespectful to me see it. See, these people had seen the pillar of cloud. They had seen the pillar of fire. They had seen the plagues and they had seen the, the Red Sea parted. They had drank water from a rock and they had had manna and quails. And after seeing all that God had done for them, they still doubted God. They still tempted God. They still tested God. The Bible, God said 10 times, you've tested me. You see, they, were, they tested God twice at the Red Sea, twice about the water, twice about the manna, twice about the quails, once with the golden calf, and this was the tenth time with the spies. And God was done. Ten in the Bible is the number of completion. And you know what was complete? God's grace. God's grace was over, and it was time for judgment. And do you know what the judgment was? Everybody older than 20 years old, except for Caleb and Joshua, would die and would not go into the promised land. If you're 20 or under, stand up real quick. Do we have anybody 20 or under? Just the kiddos? 
Look at that. Everybody else, us all, we're all out of luck. You can be sit down. The rest of us, we're out of luck, not seeing it. And that's, a, that's exactly what happened. What does it mean to tempt God? What does it mean to test God? Is what it means. When you on purpose do wrong over and over and over and over because you know God will forgive you, and you do wrong on purpose over and over and over because you know that He has to forgive you. You know that He has to bless you because He is God after all. And you just do it over and over and over. That's tempting God. That's testing God. And a bad spirit will do this. No, a bad spirit has no repentance. A bad spirit sins. Oh, I'm sorry, God, with no intention of changing. You know next time you get an opportunity, you're going to do it again. You do that over and over and over and over. That's tempting and testing God. A bad spirit will do that. But you know what a mad dog spirit will do? A mad dog spirit will trust God. You know, it's interesting the, when the Bible describes Caleb, the Bible describes Caleb over and over and over in the same specific way. The Bible says in Joshua 14, 9, So Moses swore on that day, saying, The land on which your foot has walked shall certainly be an inheritance to you and to your children forever. This talking to Caleb. For you have followed the Lord my God fully. Joshua 14, 14. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kinzite, to this day, because he followed the Lord God of Israel Fully. Joshua 14, 8. Nevertheless, my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear, but I followed the Lord my God fully. Deuteronomy 1, 36. Except Caleb, the son of Jephthah, he shall see it, and to him I will give the land in which he has set his foot, and to his sons, because he has followed the Lord fully. Numbers 14, 24, but as for me and my servant Caleb, he has a different spirit and has followed me fully. Are we seeing a trend here? That is how God describes this man. He followed the Lord fully. There are some versions that put it like this. He followed the Lord wholeheartedly. What does it mean to follow the Lord fully? What does it mean to follow the Lord wholeheartedly? Here's what it means. When it made sense to Caleb, and when it didn't make sense to Caleb, he followed the Lord. When it was popular, and when it was unpopular, he followed the Lord. When it made sense to praise God, and when it didn't make sense to praise God, he followed the Lord. When he wanted to do the will of God, and when his flesh didn't want to do the will of God, he followed the Lord. When things were going his way, and when things weren't going his way, he followed the Lord. Look, look, look at this. The children of Israel would follow God under certain conditions. Caleb said, 
there is no version of my life where I don't follow God. And what we need in Chesbro Baptist Church is we need some mad dog Christians. We need some mad dog Christians who will say, it doesn't matter which way the wind blows. It doesn't matter the circumstances in my life. It doesn't matter if it's popular or if it's unpopular. It doesn't matter if things go my way or if things don't go my way. It doesn't matter if things turn out the way I plan or if things don't turn out the way I plan. There's no version of my life where I'm not faithful to God. That's a mad dog Christian. And that's what we need today in our churches. That's what we need in this church today. You know, because of Caleb's faithfulness to God, a 40-year-old man, which I'll stop and say that making life-changing decisions isn't relegated to 20-something-year-olds. Here you had a 40-year-old man who made a decision for God that altered the course of his life. Okay? was not relegated to this 20-somethings. But Caleb, because of his faithfulness to God, he survived the wilderness. Sit down. He survived the wilderness. As an 85-year-old man, now guess what? It was time for his mountain. It was time for Caleb to get his mountain. Joshua 14, 12, KJV, because I just love it. Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Who remembers that old hymn, I want that mountain? I want that mountain, I want that mountain, where the milk and honey flow, where the grapes of Esco grow. I want that mountain, I want that mountain, the mountain that my Lord has given me. Well, guess what? Caleb got his mountain. Caleb got his mountain. It turns out his mountain was the city of Hebron. One of the four holy cities of Israel. <laughs> who knew? Who didn't know who to thunk it? Hebron is where Abraham is buried. Isaac is buried there. Jacob is buried there. Rebecca, Leah, Sarah. Jewish tradition says that even Adam and Eve were buried there. Hebron is where David was anointed king of Israel. One other thing I want to share with you this morning. We remember the names of Joshua and Caleb. But does anybody else remember the names of the other ten? They're in your Bible, but we don't remember them. We don't remember them. Why? Because we need to be like Caleb. Caleb and Joshua made a difference. Let's be like Caleb today. And when I say be like, have the mad dog spirit of Caleb, I'm saying faith over fear, I'm saying look at the potential and don't look at the problems. Don't test God over and over and over. Trust Him. 
No matter your circumstances, no matter your situation, you make a commitment today and you say to yourself, there is no version of my life where I'm not faithful to God. And you too, I mean, just like old Mad Dog, 